6 this morning. My treasure is in sight. My treasure is in sight. Matthew chapter 6. On the screen is a picture of a man. Does anybody know who that is? Anybody seen that guy before? His name is Mel Fisher. And Mel Fisher was an adventurer. He was a tre treasure hunter. And he found uh, the largest treasure to date uh, that's been found out in the ocean. It was a Spanish galleon ship that sank off the coast of Florida. And it, he found on the ship, which had held more than this, he found $450 million in gold and jewels and silver. And uh, he uh, celebrated that. Him and his family, they started a business uh, continuing that kind of a tradition of going and looking for treasure. The state of Florida sued Mr. Fisher because they claimed that treasure, and uh, he had to give 25% of that $450 million to the state of Florida. But he sued the state of Florida, and then it went all the way to the Supreme Court. They must have not had much to do back then in the Supreme Court because they determined that Mr. Fisher could keep all of his treasure the Supreme Court. So the state had to give him back that 25%. Now, again, he celebrated that, but in 1998, Mel Fisher passed away. The Bible, the, Bible, uh, the history books tell us that uh, Mel Fisher had no relationship with God whatsoever. So Mr. Fisher left behind that $450 million worth of treasure at his death. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about money. Jesus had a lot to say about money. 17 of the 39 parables that Jesus told had to do with money. You and your money. Me and my money. We and our money. And so today we're going to read uh, some more about what Jesus has to say about that very thing as well. And I thought I was on part. I'm not. So get ready. <laughs> Sorry about that. Let's stand together and read Matthew 6. We'll begin reading in verse 19 of your Bible. Matthew 6, 19. The Bible says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Or how great is the darkness? Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Let's pray together. Father, bless your word this morning for us. And teach us from it, Father, about our character, about who we are as your people, about the things that you've given us to manage and how we should do that. And, Father, give us that wisdom today to accomplish your purpose with that gift. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. You know, uh, there's three typical uh, beliefs about money in the Christian circles. One of those beliefs is sell it all and live in poverty, right? And we saw that uh, being played out in uh, the uh, parable that Jesus told about 
the rich young ruler, it wasn't a parable, it was an actual story of a rich young ruler coming to him asking about salvation. Jesus told him, sell all that you have, give it to the poor and come and follow me. In other words, there's a belief in the Christian realm that you should sell and give away everything you have and then you should give it to the poor and come and follow Jesus. Now, I, I want to say this, that there were plenty of wealthy people in the Bible that God used. Joseph of Arimathea, right? Jesus was buried in his tomb, his grave. And so having money, the, the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. It's not money that's the root of evil. There's, there's plenty of people in the Bible that were wealthy and, and God gifted them with that. So that's one circle of uh, thought. Uh, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and follow Jesus. The other one is just the opposite of that. It's called the prosperity gospel. We hear a lot about that today. The more faith you have, the wealthier you can be. In fact, if you have enough faith, you can have it all. That's what they teach and preach, and that's what they hold to. So we see the name it and claim it gospel, and we certainly don't hold to that. We see sell it all and give it away, or we have name it and claim it and have enough faith you can have all of it. Those are two circles of thought in the Christian world. I believe the proper one is the one that Jesus teaches. Amen. I believe it's the one that says God has given all of us uh, money to manage. It's his. It's his wealth. He's, he's allowed us to have that. And how we manage that says a lot about the people that we are, about the person that I have become in Christ. So God's entrusted that wealth to all of us. All of us have some of it. All of us are gifted with something like that. All of us are undeserving of that. But God's given you uh, the ability to do that and he expects you to manage it in a way that would be appropriate to him and reveal who you are in Jesus Christ. Now, let's talk about what Jesus says about this. The first thing we get is a warning in verse 19. Look at that again with me. Do not. Do not. That's the warning that we have. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Guess what? It's not the treasure that's bad. The Lord's not against treasure. He's just telling you, don't do it on earth. Don't lay up things on earth that would hinder you from fulfilling my purpose for you. Why? Jesus gives us the reason. It won't last. Where rust comes in, where moth comes in, and destroys it. So the treasures that Jesus talks about on earth are not bad but they won't last. They're not secure. So let me show you a verse in Proverbs 23. Do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, it is gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies towards the heavens. Let me tell you this. If, if your eyes towards that wealth, you're going to lose it. The Bible doesn't say you might lose it or you may lose it. It says you will lose it. You will either leave it or it will leave you. One of the two. You will leave it or it will leave you. That's the thing that Jesus is telling us. How many of you heard of the television show called The Hoarders? And, and you know, I can watch about five minutes of that and then I'm, I'm sickened because I, I, I see people. I, I, I've known people like that. I've had people in my family that were almost borderline hoarders. And you know, if we uh, thought about it, we would 
think somebody's crazy to fill their house up with junk. Papers, boxes, toys, whatever it might be, we would call them crazy. And if we saw somebody who filled their house up with cats, we would call them nuts, right? But if we see somebody fill up their pockets with money while there's needy people around them, what we do with that person is we put them on the cover of Forbes magazine and we call them a role model. Right? Isn't that what we do? And so Jesus is addressing that today. What, what do we do? We take his warning that we don't want to become like that. So what do I do? He gives me the answer. The answer is in the next verse, verse 20, the invitation that he says to us. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. So Jesus is not opposed to treasure. Did you hear that? He's not opposed to treasure. He, amen. He's not opposed to treasure. Here's the key. Location, location, location. Right? We've all heard that before. We had doing with selling a home or buying a home. Jesus puts it with treasure. It's all about where you put that treasure. That's what he's concerned about. I want you to know this. There's only two eternal things that you can touch in this life. Two eternal things you can touch in this life. One is the Word of God. The Word of God will never fade and never falter. Amen? The other one is the souls of men. The only two things you can touch in this life that are eternal is the Word of God and souls of men. So Jesus says, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Well, how do I do that, Lord? The Word of God is given to us to to help us be transformed, right? To show us the way, to give us information. And so as I take the Word of God, the eternal Word of God, I apply it to myself, then my character is changed and I become different. I become a, a new person. I'm born again by the Spirit of God, taught by the Spirit of God to be different than the world. So the Word of God changes my character. That's a treasure that I send on ahead to heaven. My character, your character, who you become, what you are. The second one I said was the souls of men. If I invest in the souls of men, then I am sending treasure on ahead into heaven, right? Only two eternal things I can touch. The Word of God, which changes me, and the souls of men, which develops relationships in my life. Isn't that what the Sermon on the Mount was all about in chapter 5? Relationships, relationship, relationship. And so Jesus continues that thought today with this uh, little story that he's telling us to send treasures to heaven, to, to store up treasures in heaven. Now, I want you to notice there in verse 21, look at that closely. For where your treasure is, there your, will your heart be also. Now, you and I take that backwards, and I'll, I'll explain that to you. I say it like this, if my, if my heart is towards missions, then I'm going to put some treasure towards missions. If my heart is towards the orphans, I'm going to put my treasure towards the orphans. If, if, my, treasure, uh, is, if my treasure is, or my heart is towards the uh, feeding the hungry, I'm going to put treasure towards feeding the hungry. 
right? That's, that's how we do that. We, we pick something we have a heart for and we put treasure to it to support it, to build it, to make it work. Well, that's exactly the opposite of what Jesus is saying. He says that where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. If your treasure today is in your 401k, I know where your heart is. It's on the Dow Jones Industrial Average every morning, if that's where your treasure is. If your treasure is in the kingdom of God, that's where your heart will be. Your heart follows your treasure. Your treasure doesn't follow your heart. This is what Jesus is telling us this morning. Where is your treasure? Because there your heart will be as well. And so I want you to understand, we have to change the way we do things. If your heart's towards real estate then your treasure will be towards real estate. And we don't want that. We want our treasure to be in heaven. So if your heart is about owning land and property or homes or houses, guess what? Your heart is going to be towards that land and that home and that house. Where your treasure is, where you invest your treasure, your heart's going to follow that. Let's say you invest in, in the missions of this church. That's where your heart's going to be. Your heart's going to follow your treasure. Many of you in this church have accomplished that. You have invested in heaven. You have invested in the future and the kingdom of God. You have given, you have supported missions. You have taken care of reaching out to the lost. Jesus is your treasure. Jesus has become the pearl of great price for you. And you've sold everything to buy that pearl and hold it close to you. That's awesome. That's what needs to happen. Now... The second little story that he tells us has to go along with that in verse 22, right? He says, the lamp is the body of the eye. I'm sorry, the lamp of the body is the eye. Now, we can look at that and we can have this thought, which I want you to see. Do y'all remember uh, Flip Wilson? Anybody remember Flip Wilson? You're telling your age now, that's okay. And he started out on... Uh, Roland and Martin's Laugh-In, remember that? And he played a character called Geraldine. And Geraldine was a black woman. And, and her saying, her little cliche was, what you see is what you get. Do you remember that? How he would say that and prance around on that stage? What you see is what you get. Well, in the 1980s, the computer gurus, when all of that got started, they stole that phrase from Flip Wilson, and they took the first letter of each of those words and they used it as a part of their programming. And it spelled this on the screen, W-S-I-W-Y-G. What you see is what you get. And they pronounced it WYSIWYG. Any of you guys remember that from back in the day of computers? WYSIWYG. What that meant was that what was on your screen when you printed it off was going to come out of that printer. What you see is what you get, right? And so Jesus uses that same example here in 22 and 23. Let's read those again. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. 
So Jesus is giving that indication of what you see is what you get. What you look at is what you get. What you focus on in your life, that's what you're going to get. If you focus on land, you're going to get land. You focus on a toy, you're going to get a toy. You focus on a car, you're going to get a car. You see what I'm saying? The Lord's telling us that what goes in through our eye, into our body, is what we call light. And the more light, the better. But when darkness starts to come into that body, instead of light, then our body becomes dark. Jesus says that we need to be full of light. Now, he's not talking about 20-20 vision here. He's not talking about how good your vision is. What he's talking about is what's going into your life through that gateway called the eye. Right? That's like a gateway to us. What are you looking for in your life rather than how well do you see? That's the intent that Jesus is giving here. What do you look at the most determines the person that you are. Now let's dig in a little bit, all right? Here's what I want you to understand. Be careful, whoops, be careful what you view because your eye is a gateway to your heart. Now when we talk about vision, we typically think about what we're seeing, what's going out of us and what we see out there, what we're looking at. Jesus says that it is the gateway to my heart. What I see goes through my eye, which is a gateway to my heart. Now, let's think about this. You would never eat poison, would you? Because your mouth would take that poison in, and that's a gateway to your stomach. And so we know better than that. We know not to eat poison. But think about what you look at. What you see is poison to your heart. We don't consider that. We don't consider what I watch on television or what I see is affecting my heart or my mind. But here Jesus is saying that, is he not? Your eye is the lamp to your body. What goes in there can be light or darkness, either one. But it's your choice. And so I want to make sure that I'm letting light flood into my life, not the darkness that the devil would throw around at us. Now, what do I, if I uh, am going to touch something, I, I reach out and touch it, but what have I done first with my senses? What sense has been the first? I looked, I saw it, I touched it. So touching something is not the first sense that takes place it's seeing it which is first right when i go somewhere i have to take a step forward i don't move first i look first where i'm going to step unless i trip and fall it's because i'm not paying attention where i'm going but you see the idea that i'm saying sight begins all of it this is why jesus is using that example for us for instance you guys you see a car or you see an antique, or you see something you, that going down the road, you say, man, I'd like to have one of those. Or you ladies, you might see a new outfit worn by another lady, and you say, man, I like that. I'd like to have one of those. Or all of us, or especially the youth, we might see a new cell phone or a new gadget, and we say, man, I, I would like to have one of those. The first thing we do is we see it. The first thing we do is we look at it. And it can be something good, or it can be something bad. That's the light and the dark that Jesus is determining right here. In 1 John chapter 2, John tells us, don't love the world or the things of the world, right? 
And he says, the things of the world are the lust of the eyes. Wow, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. So he tells us to avoid the things of the world, that we are to love God rather instead, to love him. Now, Eve had the problem in the garden. The Bible tells us that Eve saw the tree, that it was good for food. Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh. And she knew if she ate it, she would be like God, knowing good and evil, the pride of life. The devil hasn't changed his tactics even from the garden until this day. It all begins with a look. Think about adultery. We just read about that uh, last Wednesday night or the night the Wednesday before in chapter 5. We're going through those six you have heard statements about Jesus. One about adultery. It all begins with the look. King David up on his roof that night. What's he do? He sees Bathsheba. He looks. He sees. It led to his adulterous relationship with her. So verse 23 tells me this. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If what goes into my eye, which is the lamp of my body, what will be wrong? It will be darkness, evil images, things that are unholy, ungodly, things that enter the eye gate of my life and go directly to my heart, the Internet images that are there. You know, there's help for that, men. There's help for that, women, if you have that trouble. Some of you are saying, well, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I, I don't have that problem. Well, let's go on. What about uh, the things that you watch on television? What about that reality TV show that you like to watch that shows half-dressed women and immorality running rampant? Uh, you know, Big Brother, Survivor. I know some people that like those shows. They're disgusting. I'll just be point blank with you. They're disgusting. They're immoral shows. But yet we say it's okay. I don't have a problem with internet pornography, but you have a problem watching the smut on the television. Or what about the romance novels that you read? Do you understand the eye gate? What goes in has to be light, has to be holy, good. If it goes in dark, then it's blinding your heart and blinding your mind to truth and reality. So be careful what you see and view because it's a gateway to your heart. I know you wouldn't eat poison, so stop looking at poison. Amen? Do you hear me, church? Look what it says in Psalm 101. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. Surprisingly, King David wrote that. Before or after Bathsheba, I don't know, but he wrote that. Here's another one. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. The same man wrote that. Beware of what you view, church, because it's either light or it's dark, and it's poisoning your heart. The second thing I want you to see is this. Keep your eyes on the light. All right? This is what Jesus is referring to. The eyes are good if the body is full of light. Isn't that what he said? The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. Don't overcome evil. When I tell you to stop church by doing something, don't go out of here and think about how you're going to stop that. 
Don't go out and say, how am I going to stop looking at that? How am I going to stop looking at that? How am I going to stop looking at that? Because that's all you're thinking about is that. You understand? You don't overcome evil like that. Here's how you overcome evil with good. The time that you might spend on that computer or watching that TV show, you put something good in your face. You put something good in your life, in your eyesight, in your hands to read or to watch. Put something positive. You know, there's a new channel up in the city called Positive TV. It's, if you're on antenna, it's 14.5. I don't know what it is on cable or, or satellite, but it is good, positive television. If you're, you've been watching one of them Survivors or one of them Big Brother shows, turn the channel to something that's positive in your life. Put some light in, not some darkness that is in your life. The Bible tells us like this. Paul writes, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Get the smut out of your life get it out of your sight get it out of your heart with the gateway of your eye that's what the lord is telling us to do you know he well, there's an old saying that's been attributed to shakespeare uh, which really didn't come from him but it says the eyes are the window to the soul right you've heard that before the eyes, the window to the soul. In other words, I can look in your eyes and I can look right into your soul. And you see, that's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is not saying that we generate the light within us and the light comes out of us. And so people can see the light in us. You see, a window is passive. It lets light in or out. Jesus uses the term lamp. The lamp of the body is the eye. In other words, the eye enlightens the body. What goes in through that lamp enlightens the body, Jesus says, if it's good. But if it's bad, the body will be dark. And if your body is dark, how great is that darkness that's in you? Do you understand what Jesus is telling us here? The window is passive. The lamp is active. God is saying, let good shine through that lamp and enlighten your body. Here's what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. You see, the devil wants to trip you up and prevent that light from coming into your life. So Paul says this right prior to that verse. In whose case the God, little g, of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. What happens when darkness is going in to our lamp and lighting our bodies with darkness the devil is blinding us man is our world blind to the light of the gospel of christ today more than ever it is and we can do something about that 
We can make sure that my lamp only shines light in my body, not darkness. We can make sure that my children, when they come to my house, they don't see darkness on television. They don't see immorality. They don't read about it in books at my home. They're going to see light. They're going to hear light. They're going to know light when they come to our house. Make your home as that. Get control of that remote, Grandpa, Dad. Make sure that your kids are watching wholesome things and not unwholesome things in your home. It is a choice that we all have. It is a choice that God is giving you. It's the invitation that he offered to you here today. Don't store up treasures on this earth. Store up treasures in heaven by the character of person that you have become with the things that God has given you. The choice, then, we find in verse 24. He says, No one can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to one and despise the other. You know, there's a choice that we all have to make. Notice Jesus spoke this after talking about the eye being the lamp, allowing things in. You have a choice. You know, you can have two friends. You can have more than two, but you can have at least two friends, but you can only have one master. You can have two different jobs at the same time, but you can only have one master. You can go to two different churches, but you can only have one master. You can have two businesses, running them both, but you can only have one master. The master is the one that you have given total allegiance to. Jesus says you cannot serve God and money. Mammon. What is mammon? Mammon was the name of the false god of wealth, the Syrian false god of wealth. And so Jesus pulls that out and says you cannot serve that false god mammon and you cannot serve God at the same time. You can try, you can make every effort to do so, but you cannot get it done. There will only be one that you are fully allegiant to. You cannot serve two masters. Had any of you ever heard of a Christian band called Creed? Creed? Bart? Anybody heard of Creed? David's heard of them? Kevin? Some others? They have a song uh, written about America. And some of the lyrics in that might be disturbing to you, but here's a couple of them. It says, only in America are we slaves to freedom. Only in America do we kill the unborn to make ends meet. Only in America is democracy sexuality. Only in America do we stamp our God within God we trust. Only in America. Wow. Do we stamp our God within God we trust. That's a sad state of America, but it's brought to life in the words of that Christian band. You know... There's two things in this life that we can look at. There's the visible and there is the invisible. We can look at houses and toys and cars and land and money. Or we can look at the kingdom of heaven. The visible and the invisible. I want to promise you this. The invisible kingdom of heaven will outlast this ground your feet are on. Amen. It is invisible, but it is everlasting. So we all have a choice to make. You focus on what you focus on the most is your God. 
What you put your attention to, what draws you in the most is your God. Again, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, Therefore we do not lose heart, while we look at not the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What are you looking at? Okay. Who's that guy on the screen? Come on. Charles Stanley. Amen. Charles Stanley. Been at First Baptist Church of Atlanta for years upon years upon years. You know, he had a beginning there a long time ago. And when Charles Stanley first got there, he was following a very successful and very uh, well-liked pastor. And so when he stepped into that position, he got a little bit of opposition because he was changing some things and doing things a little bit different. And he got in a bind. He got uh, the church was in an uproar about some things that were taking place, and, and it wasn't easy for him. And it got to the point in his early ministry there that he was ready to quit. And this old woman in the church would constantly invite Mr. Stanley to come to her home, but he was very busy, and he kept coming up with reasons why he couldn't go. And after a couple of months of this, he finally said, Listen, I'll come if you'll leave me alone about it. She said, great, that's all I want you to do. So he took time out of his schedule to go to her home. And he got there and she invited him in. She said, there's something I want you to see. And she took him into a study. And in the study on the wall was a picture of Daniel and the lion's den. And in the picture, there were some lions in the background, Daniel standing in front. There's a window high up on a wall looking uh, down and in light shining into that a room revealing the dangerous situation that Daniel was in. And the woman said, do you recognize this? And he said, of course I recognize it. It's Daniel and the lion's den. I've got a picture very similar to that. And she said, well, what is Daniel doing? And he said, well, what do you mean what is he doing? He's in the lion's den. And he was kind of getting impatient because he was in a hurry. And she said, no, pastor, what is he doing and Dr. Stanley said, well, look, why don't you tell me what you think he's doing? And she said, Pastor, look at him. Charles Stanley looked at Daniel. He was looking up at the light shining into that room. And she said, Pastor, Daniel is not looking at the lions around him wanting to devour him. He's looking at the light. She said, what are you doing? He said, well, what do you mean, what am I doing? She says, I know all the trouble that you're having at the church. I know the lions there that want to devour you. She said, I want to encourage you today. And this old woman went up and put her arm around that, old, that young preacher, and she said, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eye on the light. David Stan Charles Stanley says when he left that house, he was in tears. Because he had lost his focus on what he was to be doing, keeping his eyes on Jesus, keeping his focus on his God. Where's your focus today? You've got troubles, you've got problems, you've got hang-ups, you've got hurts, you've got reality, you've got all kinds of things pounding at your door, trying to deceive you, trying to manipulate your life, trying to wreck your life. And all you can do is get up every morning and put your focus on each of those problems, trying to deal with them one at a time, whatever they might be. 
why don't you take the advice of an old godly woman and keep your eyes on Jesus and all your troubles will melt away. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. and Help us to let the lamp of our body be focused on good and truth and right and holy and pure things. Father, forgive us for the things we look at, for the things that uh, are not gifts from you, but they are derision and temptation and trouble from our enemy. And Lord, I pray that we would all go from this place with our body clean and clear as we focus on you, the light of the world. I pray, Father, that you help us to confess our sin even now in this place and turn from it and turn to Jesus. And we pray that in his name. Amen.